Well, you found Ballistic Chronicles. It's our podcast where we talk rifles and ammunition and bear hunting stories and stories from the premium bullet industry. In this 10th in our mini-series, what we're calling How to Be a Bear Hunter, we sit down with Matthew McFarland. He's a rifle enthusiast, a family man, a friend to many. He is dedicated to spending as much time hunting with his kids as he can. We talk about hunting black bears over bait in the Northwest, up-close encounters with bears, and one of the most spiritual moments in both of our hunting careers when we sat on the ground at the mouth of a wild river on the Quinault Reservation and heard the ancient spear song that was passed down from son to son to son for 11 generations. Enjoy this one. Welcome back to Ballistic Chronicles. Here with my good friend Matthew McFarland. You've just got back from a bear hunt in Idaho with Table Mountain Outfitters. Yes, I took my daughter Katie to Table Mountain Outfitters last week. We had booked a five-day trip that we got wrapped up in one. Um, We had a great time. We actually hunted two days, um, but she did tag out on her first day. Yeah, you sent me a picture. Of course, I've hunted with Katie a bunch of times now, and how old is she? Katie's 14 now. 14, yeah. yeah her first bear hunting trip, she was 10 years old, but yep. she just spent uh, three days sitting in a blind. She spent, you know, eight, nine hours a day sitting in the blind in torrential rainstorms <laughs> yeah. um, up in the Olympic Peninsula. And uh, so th- this was her, uh, you know, time to go back again and, and make a mark for herself and get her bear. She talks a lot about our first trip. She really enjoyed watching the snails crawl along and watch mm-hmm. them. She could watch their mouths open and close while gnawing on the, the vegetation. And, you know, it's had a great trip, but was definitely disappointed with, you know, not seeing any bears. So this yeah. was the, the time to get it. Man. So my first hunt over bait for bears was in the Quinault that year when we did it. together with tater yeah yeah with tater and katie was too young then to join us correct yeah they they wouldn't let you hunt unless you were 10 right and so we had my son finney who's now 16 so that was six years ago we had him there on his first bear hunt when he was 10 and And we had my son chisel who was 12 Mm -hmm. and so they were both there on their first bear hunts what I really like about your kids is the intensity they bring. They are skilled in shooting because you've had them shooting since they could keep a gun barrel off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, let's go back to Katie's hunt that you just got back from this last week. Yeah, so we chose Idaho as a place to go. We've looked at Idaho a number of times as a place to hunt. But like we just said, in Quinault, you can hunt when you're 10. In Idaho, you can't hunt till you're 12. And since I have four children and I like to take as many of them hunting at a time as I, as possible, mm-hmm. you know, we look for that younger age and mm-hmm. obviously they need total one-on-one attention. But uh, the reason why Idaho came around this time is with changes in rules and regs up in Washington and the fact that Idaho will let you chase bears with dogs still. Oh yeah. And chasing bears with dogs is a completely different experience and it's an amazing experience. It's, Something, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, don't you feel bad or feel like you're at a disadvantage? It's like exactly the opposite. We spent two days chasing bears that were in their prime that were 
faster than the dogs, smarter than the dogs, and totally got away. Those are the bears that we don't want to take out of the out of the population <laughs> yeah. pool. We don't want to take them out of the gene pool. They're still in breeding. We caught two bears. One of them was a 70-pound yearling. You know, no, let's let that guy go. Mm-hmm. And so we got to go up, see the bear, take a picture, you know, say thanks for letting us enjoy you and yeah. walk away and mm-hmm. let the bear go on. You know, so the dogs chased him for 15 minutes, you know, big deal. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, <clears throat> And then the, the, the same pack of dogs, uh, we were hunting with another girl by the name of Bree from South Dakota. Um, they treated an eight-year-old bear past its breeding age that she was able to take and yeah. have a wonderful bear hunt. Yeah. And that's, you know, thanks to the dogs. It's easy to size up the bear, figure out which bears you want to take and, you know, make that decision with the dogs. Yeah. So you were with Table Mountain <clears throat> Outfitters and yeah. I know them from Wyoming because I hunted with them in Wyoming uh, uh, 11 years ago now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. They hunt uh, antelope, mule deer, and elk out in Wyoming. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it was really fun for me to realize that you had hunted with those people because I enjoyed hunting with them too. So first day, what what was it like? You started out in the afternoon? Uh, we started in the morning. So mm-hmm. they, they, uh, they tell you, you know, hunt's going to start on Monday, so be there Sunday night. So you can leave Monday morning first thing. You know, so it's 7 a.m., we were loading up to head out to run dogs. We actually hunted on Memorial Day for our first day. And you might think lots of people in the forest. <clears throat> and they have a couple of big pieces of private property as well as a giant Forest Service lease. Mm-hmm. So they are the outfitter for uh, many acres of Forest Service property. Mm-hmm. But due to the fact that there's lots of population, we went up on some timberland that they have contracted to be the hunters. And that's where we chased bears the first day. So we ran two packs of dogs. You know, we went one direction. The folks from South Dakota went the other direction. And we hunted about, you know, between five and ten miles apart. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, ran ran the dogs the first day. And we did get on some bear, but they were all big bears in their prime that were happy and easy to outrun the dogs. Yeah. So, you know, we had a great time, but uh, didn't catch any the first morning. Get done about two in the afternoon, you know, it gets too hot for the dogs. You don't want to, sure. you know, wear them out, overheat them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, went back, enjoyed an early dinner, and then we went out to sit on bait. Mm-hmm. So we still get that same experience that, you know, my kids have done up in Washington. It's just you spend the evening sitting on baits and let the dogs rest for another day. Mm-hmm. How long before this bear came out? Well, so we were sitting on uh, bait. This was the fastest I've ever seen a bear come on bait for us. <laughs> we, we were sitting on bait. At about six o'clock and at eight thirty four, I think it was, uh, Katie made the shot after what she calls the longest five minutes of her life. You know, um, <clears throat> hunting bears is a, an amazing and wonderful experience. I highly recommend for anybody, especially sitting on bait. Yeah. You know, we've looked at a lot of outfitters. Some guys want to put you a thousand yards across the canyon right. and, and hand you their rifle. Don't bring your own gun. You only use mine because uh-huh. it's sighted in and. You see that black dot over there? Just put the X on it and squeeze the trigger. To me, that's not hunting, right? So Katie shot her bear at about 25 yards. Okay. Um, yeah, all right. Oh, so wait. that's what I didn't. Maybe 35 yards. Sorry. Okay. The bait was at 25. The bear was just behind it. Behind it. Mm-hmm. But as you're sitting there silently, I mean, you can't turn left or right in your chair. You don't want to squeak the canvas. You can't do anything. You have to set up and then you have to sit motionless and let your legs go numb and let your back get tired and your neck get stiff as you're hiding in the blind. And even moving back in the shadow of the blind is enough to make these top tier predators look away and run away. Yeah. So, you know, the first thing that you see is over two or three feet of brush is just like an ear. 
You know, oh, so Katie yeah. sees one ear of a bear, and oh, well, now man. we know the bear's there. You hear nothing. nothing you hear absolutely nothing. They're, they're so silent. silent. Yeah. You do hear sticks break, and then you look over and see a squirrel. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you hear pine cones go smash, smash, and it's you know a bird. I think a so, bear will break a stick, but it's but it's rare. <laughs> it may, I think it does it on purpose to yeah. warn another bear that might be there that it's coming in. Yeah, yeah, most likely. Um, but these guys, you know, this this bear came in, and you know, first we saw one ear, and then three oh. or four minutes later, we saw two ears. And the bear moved about six or seven feet. And then you saw the, you know, the crown of its head and, mm-hmm. and another ear twitch. And then the bear's gone. Three or four minutes later, the bear's moved another 10 feet, stands up and looks around and down. Oh. You know, I mean, so it's just very stealthy moving mm-hmm. in. Um, you know, Katie knows what she's doing. Yep. And so, you know, and I told her from the position where we were, we were sitting up on top of a big ridge. It's like if... Uh, you know, lots of people, you, you shoot an animal and it runs about 20, 30, 40 yards and, you know, you find it sitting there. And then we show that from, you know, from where we are, the shape of this hill, if we make a shot that's a, a typical heart lung shot, you know, a typical vital shot or something through the shoulder, this thing's going to go half mile down the hill and we're carrying it all the way up there. The yeah. only thing that will work in this position is a brain shot. Mm-hmm. She's just like, okay. And said, and so I, there's nothing I can say to you. There's not a big enough of a window for me to help make a follow-up shot. There's nothing we can do. There's a hundred percent on you mm-hmm. when you're comfortable, you just have to take a brain shot. And so, you know, she waited and she waited and, you know, this piece of the bear, that piece of the bear, she's just waiting. And, you know, basically you hold your breath, <laughs> you know, the whole time waiting for it to come. And once the bear made that perfect, you know, stepped out from behind the brush, perfect broadside shot. Katie made her one shot right in the back of the skull, and down he went. Didn't move again. Oh, it was man. Just, just perfect. You couldn't have asked for anything better. Hey. And, uh, you know, she could finally breathe easy. <laughs> she said she was just, you know, wow. tense and scared and nervous and, you know, have that, that feeling that you get when all the excitement is just built up and, you know, everything is riding on you yeah. to do it perfectly. and and. She delivered again. Man, I, I just rem- remember the fierceness in her eyes when she jumped out of that helicopter in New Zealand, you know, and, and she was just like, I'm doing this, whatever it is. Yeah. I'm here. We're doing it. Let's go. Yeah. She was, what, 11? Yeah. Yep, that's her. She's taken a lot of big game animals. And maybe my favorite story would be going back to when we were alligator hunting when she was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and along with my daughter Michaela yeah and I remember your boys making brain shots on alligators <laughs> yeah oh yeah you know that's the only way to put them down so they don't swim away <laughs> so so why the 243 on a bear hunt yeah so um she actually brought two rifles mm-hmm. she really likes that 243 this particular gun is the one that she took to New Zealand yeah. and you know bagged her stag mm-hmm. at however 180 odd yards or whatever yeah how far I don't whatever remember. that was yeah and she's shot a few tar with it um she's shot a number of pigs with it she's very very familiar with the gun she shoots uh, 90 grain acubons mm-hmm. uh, nozzler factory ammo and it's a blazer r8 so it's a straight oh, throw right. action. It's mm-hmm. very fast for her to reload and get on that second shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use the loophole VX6 scopes, two to twelve, rarely over three power. You know, so we're you know low power, yeah. close in shots. That's the key on the lots and lots of light. You yep. know, a lot of times bear want to come in. I mean, as you know, fifteen minutes after the sun's gone down. You still have 10 or 15 minutes worth of legal shooting light, but you can't see anything through iron sights mm-hmm. or through a low quality scope. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we, 
we make it so that we have every advantage. And in those optics, the gun is just accurate and fast and she can put those bullets anywhere she wants to. You know, we'd say with surgical precision, but you know, when, yeah, when well, we see her do it, she's, full action. she's very precise mm-hmm. and very fast with that gun. So she brought that. And then we also brought, um, her 257 Weatherby, the 257 Weatherby. She, uh, brought, she brought when we were running with dogs in case she was shooting a farther shot, you mm-hmm. know, just to get more, you know, some more power, more performance yeah. downrange. Yeah. Um, not that a 243 wouldn't kill a bear at a hundred yards, but you know, she wants to kill it yeah. you know, dead and not move right. like, like she did on this shot. Yeah. So I think that's a good choice too. Yeah. And so when we're sitting on the, on a blind, because she knows that the shots are close, she was choosing one that she knows she can shoot, you know, precisely half inch groups mm-hmm. at a hundred yards with, you know, precisely sitting off of her uh, sticks versus the one that, you know, has more recoil. I know she's more tentative Mm -hmm. on shooting it. So she does just fine with the 257, but the 243 really is, you know, her, she's at home with that. Oh yeah. She got alligators. She's shot big horns with it. She's got lots of things with that gun and yeah, she knows it well. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I was proud of her to, to get that, that picture. And it reminded me of, being up on the Quinault, we were hunting with Tater. Yeah. Tater Bryson. And I got my bear on the first afternoon. Yes. And man, I was so relieved to shoot that that bear, you know, after looking forward to this hunt for so long and then sitting in the blind and just being still. And then the bear showing up and not making a noise. And it's, it's just so it's almost spiritual how yeah. how quickly they're there when you've been waiting so long and then they're silent. And then it's just amazing when they yeah. appear. Yeah. Yeah. And I shot that with Chubb Eastman's old rifle, that blonde yeah. Husqvarna 9.3 by 62. It was a tribute yeah. to him. And that story went in Sports of Field magazine. But the the most amazing thing to me about that hunt was what happened next. We, I remember I, I sat with Chisel in the blind for yeah. a day or two and you were with Finney in his blind and the kids were just not getting the luck that I had had. Yeah. Well, well, Chisel had missed a bear the first night mm-hmm. and Chisel, uh, he was suffering from a bit of buck fever, mm-hmm. you know, some excitement mm-hmm. there. Um, also being young, he was 12 at the time Yes, and sitting with uh, uh, Tater's son in the blind. That's right. I, I, you were hunting your blind. Mm-hmm. Chisel was with Tater's son and I was with Finney. And being 12 and not really uh, boisterous, you know, or whatever, he wasn't, he didn't really, you know, speak up and yes. say he wasn't in a, at a good shot window. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then, you know, the, the tensions build and, you mm-hmm. know, the bear appears and, you know, it was a wonderful experience for him, but he missed his bear and, yeah. you know, was a little bit upset. It was one of those learning experiences that we Absolutely. all have. Yeah. Yeah. And he still talks about it, you know, mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, about what a good time it was, yeah. but, you know, what a bummer it was that he didn't get yeah. his bear. That was, that was really a great trip for all of us. But yeah. what happened with me is I had to leave early mm-hmm. because we had Sam, I had Sam with me and Sam needed to be going to another job. We were filming it for television and he had another job that we had to get him home for. And so the last thing that I had to do to wrap up my part of the story for the television episode was I wanted to meet with one of the tribal elders. Yeah, we met with Guy Kapoman. That's right. And I don't know if you know, but he is now the chief. 
Okay. He just just in the last few months, he was made the, the chief and president of the Quinault tribe. Well, that makes me very happy to hear that. And I think very highly of him. And he was introduced to us as a tribal elder and historian. And I remember thinking, yeah, he's the same age as me, you yeah. know, and we both grew up in Washington, but completely different life, you know, <laughs> <Yeah>. histories. <laughs> And so what he did was he brought his son, James, who was 23 at the time, and they both brought drums that they had made and decorated. They were a little reluctant after we were done talking about the bears and the hunting and the culture. I knew there was more here and I wanted to see their drums. And what Guy agreed to do was sing his grandfather's song. Yes. And what was significant about this to me is they could, they remembered their, not only their grandfather's song, but their grandfather's name from nine generations back. That's the number that sticks out in my head, and maybe it's 11 generations. <laughs> but they said it was, the, this song was their grandfather's song before their people had the bow and arrow. And so their grandfather hunted with a spear up in what we now call the Olympic National Forest above the tree line. And he was hunting goats and also bears. Mm -hmm. And so this song, his spear song, they would sing it and chant it for us and play it on the drum. So they played it for us. We were sitting on the seawall, basically on the ground at the mouth of the river there, the Quinault River. Mm Mm-hmm. At Tahola. And that's what we do is we sit on the ground and we drum and we we listen to them sing. And, and when it was over, I don't know how you remember it, but Guy wouldn't look at us anymore. Right. And he, he stood up as very spiritual for him. And it wasn't something they do for people who are outside of their tribe. Right. Not, not at all. And so I remember it, you know, this starting out. You know, I had a 10 and 12 year old that mm-hmm. had been sitting in a blind for eight hours a day, three mm-hmm. days, and mm-hmm. they were antsy and milling around. Mm-hmm. And when guys started talking about what we were doing and sat down, mm-hmm. all of a sudden my boys sat, settled down, mm-hmm. you know, okay. they calmed down and they sat and they listened to the song mm-hmm. and, you know, at 10 and 12 years old, I don't know if they understood the significance of it, but you know, he said he was doing this. It was as a blessing, you know, to the boys that they would be able to see and harvest their bear. And it was definitely a very spiritual experience. Yeah. And in their language. Yeah. In, with, the, in their language, mm-hmm. the, with their, you know, historical and their ancestral instruments. And like you said, they, I remember them saying that, uh, you know, this went back nine generations from his grandfather back nine generations. And he had his son. So he said that his son was the 11th generation. Okay. That's in, right. In that song. And, you know, and he just said, you know, this, this song is, is he ended, like I say, he wouldn't you know, look at us or say anything, but, you know, after a couple of minutes, you know, he says to Finney and, you know, kind of pats Finney on the shoulder and says, this is the, this is the blessing that you'll get your bear. And he looks at me and he said, they'll get their bear tonight. So, I mean, I'm getting chills now while I, while I relate yeah, this me <laughs> story again, because I haven't talked about it for a long time. And we, we got in our truck and we left and it was a long drive and I'm watching the clock because I know what time sunset is. And And, you know, I'm still on the West Coast. I'm six hours away from you at this point. But I know now it's dusk and I I get a text message and here's a picture of Finney with his bear. And it's a big bear. It's a big, worthy bear. It's a big bear, yes. Oh, man. 
we Sam and I we rejoiced, yeah. <laughs> you know. But it really it was a really interesting experience for me because we drilled down in you know guns and ballistics and bullets and we talk about you know where to hunt and who to hunt with and we talk about big bears and little bears and and behavior but then this whole spiritual side of it really floored me yeah and it was that was an amazing thing and this was the second bear finney had seen over bait but the first Mm -hmm. one we were able to shoot you know the first one you know winded us Mm -hmm. quickly and you know after having that experience with the with the song and you know four days of now sitting in the blind yeah and then being able to watch the bear do similar thing with katie you know just appear a small you know there's the bear over here and he disappears that whole calm quiet experience of this very large beautiful animal walking in that he's been hoping for the whole time and then him being able to as a 10 year old kid make that shot like he has been practicing for like he had been hoping for and put the bear down you know the the bear uh ran about 30 feet mm-hmm. from the the shot point just you know basically you know jumped forward and mm-hmm. and, and went down and he breathes a huge sigh of relief and, you know, the, the, the big smile. And he still speaks, you know, with reverence about bear hunting mm-hmm. after having gone. He's been on three trips now. Um, and he just talks about it being so exciting. He was actually supposed to go with us on this trip with Table Mountain, but he uh, had some school stuff that he had to do that he had sort of been neglecting for a month and, mm-hmm. and was, you know, disappointed not be able to go. Um, it was his choice to not go based on what he had to do in life, but just him talking to his sister and you know, the family about how much he loves bear hunting and the excitement of it, just that, that reverence he still has mm. for the process. You can see is still there that was instilled in him on that first trip. Bear hunting will change your life. Yeah. It's an amazing thing. Hey guys, I want to tell you about Frontier Roast derived from 100% select grade Colombian coffee. It is the essential coffee. When the alarm goes off and it's still an hour and a half to dawn, it's the coffee for deer season and elk season and prairie dog shooting. And here's a secret great shooters know. They take a sip of coffee when they're going to the range with their buddy and they give their buddy two cups of coffee. Next time you're packing for a deer or an elk hunt, throw in a bag of Frontier Roast from Expedition Joe and Gary Lewis Outdoors. Frontier Roast is the choice of great outdoor moments. Get yours today from Expedition Joe and Gary Lewis Outdoors.com. Hey guys, if you like this episode, tell your friends. Hit like and subscribe and come back and download the next episode. Start at the first one, skip around, or start at the last episode, work backwards. We dare ya. We double dog dare ya.